You've chosen today to listen to episode 170 of the Juice Box Podcast, and allow me to say, I think you've made a wise decision. Today I'm speaking with Erin, and her conversation is filled with story, with management ideas, it's got the feels. She talks about everything from diagnosis to depression, anxiety, everything. Everything you can think of wrapped around type 1 diabetes gets involved in this episode somehow or some way. And it pays off right until the last moment. Some of the biggest topics don't come up until after it's been on for an hour. I was even stunned when I went back and edited it. I was like, man, this thing pays off. So I hope you enjoy it. Before we get going, let me ask you two questions. Do you have your Omnipod? Do you have your Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor? Have you clicked on the links in the show notes? Why not if you haven't? Dexcom is a proud sponsor of the Juice Box podcast. They've never actually said they were a proud sponsor, but I'm assuming they are. And let's just say right now that Omnipod is a proud sponsor as well. And that I've actually heard them say. So half of what I just said was absolutely true. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. And my dentist's office is calling, so this is going great. So you're having a rocky morning? Um, it's just a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So you, you, what did you do? You went, you took, you went to school and forgot the Dexcom receiver or what did you, what was, what yes. So normally I ask my son to, he's five. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask him to pack his sling bag with his kit and Dexcom and his water bottle. Um, and I was in the moment, I was asking him to do a couple of other things too, you know, put on shoes and all this, that, and the other. And so I had all of the stuff and I thought, okay, well, I'll just put it in the sling bag today. Um, we've been pretty adamant lately, especially about just getting him used to, you know, this is what you need to have with you. It's your responsibility to put it in the bag and make sure you have it with you. Right. I should have just done that. Um, <laughs> I think for five, he's doing pretty well, though. He is, yes. We're just, we're trying to get him, yeah, you know, get him there. So I put the kit and the water bottle in the bag, and I set down the Dexcom. We have the phone. Uh, we set down the, the Dexcom phone. Um, and it was just time to go. We all went out to the car, uh, my five-year-old son, my two-year-old daughter, and myself. And it wasn't until I was driving on the way back home, and I always check you know to to make sure that the um the share is working and you can see yeah the dexcom phone is paired i'm getting numbers and i didn't see the numbers on the way back home and i thought oh boy i think i forgot it (laughs) (laughs) so are you which version of dexcom are you using is it the we're on the g5 the g5 yes but he needs the receiver he's not no he doesn't it's a it's not the receiver. It's a. Oh, the phone. It's an old iPhone. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. I was like, that. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me for a second. But that's great. <laughs> so you're like, yeah. oh, where's the numbers? And the numbers have been gone forever. Yes. <laughs> well, at least you know he's not. At least you know he's not addicted to a cell phone uh, at, five, <laughs> at five years old. Because my daughter would never leave the house without her cell phone. Oh gosh. Well, it's what's good about it is that it. I mean, it can't do anything. We don't. It. It can't make calls. Oh. Um, you know, we've got it set up right now. We only just recently. Um, made it so that we can 
send him a text, but he doesn't even know that yet because, okay. you know, he not even he's learning his, his letters and numbers. You know, he's learning how to write sentences. He, he doesn't know how to text yet. I gotcha. Um, so, well, that's really yeah. cool. So, so yeah. I, I was going to say that. So, of course, he doesn't want the phone. It doesn't do anything. And right. <laughs> if it did something, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have forgotten. Exactly. Yeah, there's no, game game, on, there's, been... no it, it is boring. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, um, well, we've obviously started and not really started. So, introduce yourself just real quickly. We'll keep going. Sure. I am Erin Chauvel Turnham. I have been a type one mom since. Uh, December 27th, 2013. Um, my son was diagnosed when he was 21 months old. Yeah. Um, he's now five. So it's been, um, you know, a rocky couple of years, but we're here and yeah. Well, so Aaron, yeah, I, I, Aaron reached out and she was like, you don't have enough people on who have really little kids with diabetes. And I was like, you're right. And so, um, so she came on and I think it's a, I think it's going to be interesting. So let me just, we'll, we'll start off, you know, with a couple of questions to get us rolling. So any reason to think your kid was going to have diabetes? Was it in the family? Your husband has it? Grandmother? Nothing like, anything like that? No, no. absolutely not. We have no family history of it whatsoever. So you just, you just there and, and he, is he, is he your oldest? Yes. He's, he's our first. Okay. So your first, your first kid, 21 months old, you're probably pretty excited coming up on his second birthday. You haven't killed him. Right. So you're like, exactly. we're doing it, you know, uh, paying your bills, things are happening. You're like, this is, this. Yes. So we're, we're, we made a family. And, yes. uh, what, how did it present? Um, we really didn't know until, um, I guess around Thanksgiving. Um, I kind of started to realize that there wasn't something, something just wasn't quite right. I had absolutely no idea what, um, you know, I have, I have no medical background. Um, this certainly wasn't anything that we were looking for. Um, and in really little kids, it's really hard to tell because they can't tell you how they feel. Right. So looking back on it now, um, I can look back on photographs from Halloween from that year. Mm -hmm. And I can see that he was thin and gaunt, um, and pale and had the dark circles under his eyes. Um, and my, my husband is very tall and thin <clears throat> and we just kind of assumed that, well, you know, he's growing up and not growing out and he's going to be tall like his daddy. I went on, we went through Halloween and Thanksgiving, um, Christmas preparations. Um, and it was just really, a, you know, story that I'm sure you've heard time and time and time again. But with a, with a really little kid, what happened was we were, he was peeing through his diapers at night. We thought we had a diaper problem. So we were looking for industrial strength, super absorbent diapers on Amazon. And it, you know, it was still happening. He was being through the diaper, through his PJs, through the sheets and the mattress pad and everything. Anything he was close to. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. That's fun. Isn't it interesting that you're, because I don't, it, why wouldn't it? But you're like, wow, they, the diaper doesn't hold the urine. Right. We need better diapers. Yes. <laughs> makes, makes total sense. I mean, it, really, it really genuinely does make sense. Um, when, did you, by the way, did you find industrial strength diapers at any point? <laughs> um, I think we switched brands a couple of times. It's funny. Yeah. So did you, did he get sick or, I mean, what, what pushed you over the edge and made you go, there's something wrong? No, not really. It was just kind of a collection of things. Um, he would drink a nine ounce 
city bottle of water and immediately asked for more. Mm-hmm. Um, those two things together were just, something just wasn't quite right. And he was, you know, we would go for walks, um, just the two of us. Yeah. And he would be so excited and we'd head down the block and then halfway down the block, he would just want to sit down. And I was getting so frustrated and I feel really guilty about it now. I know that I shouldn't, but yeah. there it is. It's just there. Um, you know, and I thought, oh, come on, you know, we're out for a walk. Let's have a nice walk. But he would just shut down. And, you know, now I know that it was because his little body just couldn't go anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you, and you're stuck thinking, huh, I made a baby and it's lazy. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just, this isn't how I saw this going at all. I thought maybe some sports or something would happen. We, I could be that mom. I could watch a game on Saturdays. But this kid right. can't even walk up the street. Well, and, it, and it wasn't even just that, just that he was sitting down. It was, I mean, it, it would be like a full-blown meltdown. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, we're coming up on, on the terrible twos and this must be what happens. But there was still something that just, you know, I, I saw my friend's children and I saw their tantrums and there just, there was something a little bit different about this. And I, I really didn't know what, but the, the thing that really made me question what was going on was that there was the smell on his breath. Mm-hmm. And I've since learned that not everybody can smell it. Um, over Thanksgiving, I was asking my husband <laughs> to smell my son's breath and my mom to smell his breath and nobody else could smell this weird smell. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even describe it to them. It, the only way that I could describe it right then was that it smelled plasticky. Yeah. I told Kelly metallic when I told her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've heard a lot of people say that too. Right. So yeah. it didn't click until I started, I mean, being a 21st century parent, what do you do? You turn Dr. Google. Yeah. Um, I started typing in symptoms and it didn't click until somebody online mentioned that it smelled like fingernail polish, like acetone. Oh, and that's, that's what it really smelled like to me. Wow. It's funny. Cause I said to Kelly, I was like, it's like metallic or maybe it's fruity. Right. And then she was like, Oh, it just like right there. Kelly was like, she has diabetes. And I was like, really? And oh. we were, we weren't a couple of years ago. We were a decade ago. The internet, yeah. we, we, you know, we were, we were on vacation at a, in like right. a rental house. It didn't even have Wi-Fi. I, I took, I took my oh. sister-in-law's laptop because not even everybody had a computer at this point. Right. You know, hanging over a deck, stealing Wi-Fi from a house, <laughs> from a house next door, t- typing in signs and symptoms to type on diabetes. Oh, um, wow. That's, that's really something. So did you guys. How, how far away were you from medical care? Um, eh, it wasn't bad. We, it was, but it was like one o'clock in the morning. So oh, I called, I called a friend of mine who was my, uh, is our pediatrician. He actually went online and found me a hospital to go to. Wow. Yeah. But are you far? No, we're oh, not. We're, okay. we're, we're right in town. Um, cause see, so, you're, are you, are you out West? No, we're in the South. We're in you're, Alabama. You're in the South. Okay. I was going to say, cause I'm hearing like, I'm hearing your Southern. Oh, <laughs> it's not. It bad. does sound Southern to you. A little bit, yeah. And, and but at the same time, our times difference was there. I thought maybe like maybe she's more right. West than I think, and a transplant. But okay, so yeah, no, that's really interesting because most I, I've most people don't hear the Southern. That's interesting because I've I've been here like pretty much all my life. But it's uh, not it's not strong. There's it's phrasing. I'll, next time you say something, oh. I'll, I'll I'll get I'll <laughs> I'll point it out to you. Make you feel really. Uh, Really self-conscious about it. <laughs> no, it's okay. I've, I'll, I'll feel more at home. I've, I've uh, kind of felt out of place for a while. <laughs> oh, no kidding. So, okay. So, all right. So, we're at the hospital now? And... So, no. No? Um, what do you do? <clears throat> so, Christmas happened. 
and we were opening presents. Um, it, he would open a present and then he didn't want to have anything else to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it's just not normal, you know, for a little kid not to get excited yeah. about all of so this. Just like the walks. He just, he kind of couldn't keep it going yes. for very long. Right. Yes, exactly. So that was the 25th. Um, the next day, you know, I was, I was Googling, I think probably that night and the, and the next morning, um, and found, you know, all of this kept popping up and I call our pediatrician and I said, I think that I need to have my son in to get checked out for type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I told my husband after I called her pediatrician, um, and he got a little upset with me. He's very analytical. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't want my guessing to influence, you know, what, what the diagnosis might be. Um, but I, I mean, I was, I, I can't fool a blood test. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. I mean, you could, what if you called the doctor up and said, listen, I think my kid can fly, but I need him to test. It's right. not, it's not like the doctor's going to go, wow, you're right. He can. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I hear what your husband's saying though. I, I think that sometimes when you're like, you know, but I think of it more like when you're on, on the phone with customer service, like sometimes you don't want right. to lead them the wrong way because they get out of their, they get out of their yes. path that they usually use and then they yes. can't. And I, and I completely understand. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I understand where he was coming from and, so what did the doctor say? Did the doctor like, oh, you, the kid doesn't have diabetes? No, or, or were they- thank goodness. I'm, I'm really glad that that was not our story because I've heard that story from so many, many people. Um, we went in. <clears throat> we saw our favorite nurse there. I told him what I thought might be going on. He went and got their um, blood sugar test kit there, their, their glucose kit, and checked his blood sugar. And the blood kind of drained from his face. He went to get another test strip. Um, he said, I just needed to make sure. Um, he was very calm about it. Came back and checked his blood sugar again. And he showed me the result. And it just said high. Um, and, you know, it was over 600. Uh, it was higher than their meter could read. So they set up um, for us to go up to our nearest children's hospital. And we went home and packed a bag and went up there. This is still Christmas Day? This is the two days after. This is December 27th. I've come to realize that I think that everybody says that they're diagnosed on vacation or on Christmas or something like that. But I think what really happens is stuff's going on for a while. And when your life slows down, you can actually pay attention to it. That is exactly what happens. Right, yes. Right. So yes. it's it's not that everybody's magically diagnosed on Christmas. It's uh, or on vacation because vacation's a big one. Like mm-hmm. you know, we figured it out on vacation. Uh, you, you hear that constantly. I think it's just you know you slow down enough to really start putting the pieces together and think exactly. You know what yes, I mean? there's been so much lead up to the holidays that you know. Yeah. Yes, I think there might be something going on, but I need to focus on this. Did they consider him to be in DK when you got to the hospital, or no? No, actually, thank goodness he wasn't. Um, I, I don't even remember what the number was. Um, yeah, and the the thing is, we didn't we weren't given any sort of instructions on the way up there. Um, so he's upset. You know, he's in the back seat in his, in his little car seat. Right. He has a bottle of water and a bag of pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave him a lollipop and five pounds of sugar. And he just started eating. He was very hungry. So I mean, look, we it, didn't, we yeah. didn't know anywhere, you know, yeah, we, sure. we knew that we had an, an upset toddler and we were going to something that was 
going to be pretty scary for all of us. And we kind of needed some calm and we kept feeding him pretzels. I think that's probably, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, I considering, think... yeah, considering some other things, but well, cause that ride is so, you know, I've described yeah, it before. It was, it, it, and it, for us, it was about, um, an hour and a half, two hour ride. Wow. And that whole time you're just sitting in the quiet together thinking all of the things that you're thinking. But are we facing? Yes, exactly. What is, so a couple of years ago, what, what's the, what's the, so you're in a children's hospital. What's the play when they come out? Are they, are they giving you, you know, talking about insulin pump? Are they just giving you a pen? Do they talk about uh, glucose monitors? Like how does it, how does that conversation go once he's in and they get him stabilized and everything? What, what, what's it sound like? Um, Do you remember we there? even? I no, that's, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a blur. It was four days. Of course, we're you know sleep deprived as everybody is at, at diagnosis and just worried as all get out. Uh, I have to say I'm really really grateful for our children's hospital and for the training that we've received. Mm-hmm. I've talked with a lot of parents since then um, who I don't think got the level of training that we got, yeah. which really scares me. Um, and this, and this is a whole other com- topic of conversation. Uh, I've talked with adults who have been diagnosed with type one and they get Nothing. ridiculously low yeah. um, amounts of information. It's, it's frightening. It is shocking. Yeah, um, I've had people on here, they, they, they just gave me insulin and needles and they're like, well, here you go. And, and there's a class in two weeks. Yeah. See you then. Hopefully. Yeah. That, that I've, I've heard, I've heard stories that are, the, the people yeah. would have been better off on their own. Like if they just had access to the medication on their own and Google, they could have figured out better. Right. But, yeah. So you got, so you got good direction and, but you know, for a second, go back for a second. So I hear like you're, it, it's, it's a confusing time. And so even asking you a specific question about what happened in the hospital, you, you're not going to be able to come up with a specific answer. Like it's, it's interesting. I remember feeling exactly the same way, just really yeah. like someone whacking me in the head with a bat and I was just trying to pull myself together the whole time. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. and do a bunch of math problems at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you were back at school all of a sudden too. <laughs> yeah, but math is not my strong suit. Uh, so when I learned that my son's life was going to depend on me doing equations all day, that was I I had a big laugh about that. <laughs> like, this is this is ridiculous, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this. Forget it. Well, do you do you, so? Do you still do you lean on the math now? Because I don't, I pay no attention and I, to it. I feel all. kind of guilty that I don't. Um, we have a, a pump. We've got an, an animus pump, which again, that's another yeah, conversation for not much longer. Um, right. Um, so he was on a pump. <clears throat> excuse me. About seven months after diagnosis. Okay. So for those first seven months, yes, we had the you know the notebook and doing the equations all day and trying to figure out how to dose him afterwards after he ate because he's not even due yeah. and I can't guarantee that he's going to eat everything. Yep. And I literally cried over spilled milk <laughs> after measuring it out. I measured and, that. <laughs> yes. I measured it out. It got spilled on the table. He had, he had already had some, how on earth do I measure the volume that's on the table that, you know, and, and, what's now, you, left? and now, you know, right. It doesn't matter at all. Like it just, it's sort of meaningless at this point. Like it's just more. So, so let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Cause I think this is where like the real value in your conversation ends up being. Sure. So talk about having a 21 month old probably weighs 
I'm guessing around 20 or 25 pounds, probably not that, not that big. Right. Um, using injections and, and a meter. So what were your days like? Were they just like, like you're saying, just measure the food, see how much of it he eats, figure how much of it he, you know, he actually give him some insulin. Were you even trying to keep his blood sugar like from spiking or you just like, was it just constantly like a like a, a dam with cracks in it? You just kept putting your fingers in the holes. Like, what what, what does that feel like? What was your goal? I guess uh, to keep him alive. Really, I mean, it's uh... <sighs> we started having some issues with him not wanting to eat, mm-hmm. um, and I had to back off a lot because I was so anxious about getting it right, um, doing the math right, and figuring out you know, beforehand how much is this portion and trying to get him to eat <laughs> nice round numbers of it. <laughs> um, you know, please, can you eat just half or three quarters of it so that I can do the math? Um, and all within a 30-minute time frame, which is... It became really a battle between us, um, and it shouldn't have been. Um, well, you had that so, pressure, right? Like, if if he doesn't, first of all, I need to. It needs to be equal amounts so that I can do the math, and then it needs to right? be fast enough so I can put the insulin in. Yeah. Because what happens when when it took longer? How far did his blood sugar shoot up? Oh gosh! In in those first months, and I would say until we got the Dexcom, you know, like seven or eight months later, um, it was easily he would go into the 400s yeah and this is almost at every meal almost yes yeah so you spent all day big number trying to get the big number back down yes time to eat big number boom boom go to sleep oh my yeah well that sounds like a lot and and constantly worrying in between because you know not knowing yeah and he can't tell me how he feels. He can't say whether, whether he feels low or whether he feels high. And, you know, not that he wouldn't even know what that felt like in the first place. Yeah, right. How often were uh-huh. you testing in that time? Oh, gosh. At, at least 10 times a day. Um, and I have to say that because of my anxiety about it, it was probably a lot more than that. No, I, I think 10 was my number for sure. Yeah. Um, in that space. And so talk about a little bit about the – so this is – this is multifaceted, right? So you're you're sitting there yeah. thinking it's your first kid, first of all. I mean, right. you know, when my first child was two, I was still just like every day. I was like, I can't believe I haven't lost this kid. Like, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Like he's here every day. Like I've never went out and left him somewhere, or like you know, like you're still you're still having very minor, you know, uh, celebrations. And yes. so and so, but you get you you lose all that first of all. I think that's not. Yes. That's not talked about enough. All this joy that you were looking forward to and, and yes. expecting, it just doesn't exist anymore. Now you're yes. just an untrained, anxiety-ridden <laughs> nurse, right? With, that doesn't that get a day a off. Very, very good description. Yeah, of it, yeah, yes. yeah, right. Just you're just like, oh my god, ah, all day, all day, everything, yes. all day long is just ah. I felt exactly like you did, and I want I want to say for a second that for people who really do listen to the podcast. I think it's really important to know that what Aaron's describing is exactly how I was. I just, I would stare at Arden and just look for like a sign on her face or circles under her eyes. Or I didn't know what the hell I was even looking for. Just something that would tell me what her blood sugar was. And, you know, am I supposed to be, and my whole life was like that. I, I 
talked about it here very briefly, but there was a time in my life where if you just randomly said to me, hey, Scott, an hour from now, tell me when it's been an hour, I could do it. I could do it like down to 10 seconds because I was always thinking like that. Like, okay, in an hour, I'll test. In an hour, I'll do this. In an hour, I'll do that. It got so, like, like the weight of it was so incredible that my anxiety was, it was absolutely through the roof. Like, like yeah. it was crazy. And I'm such a mellow person, you, you know? And so I just, and there was no, like somebody didn't come along seven months later and go, Hey, here's a glucose monitor. This is all going to be better for you. It just went on and on and on. And I don't know. I, I mean, this conversation makes you think about everybody who doesn't have the insurance or the money to have. Oh, the gosh. I think Scott, I think right. about that every single day. I and I, I wish that at diagnosis, if, if the person wanted it, I wish they could have a Dexcom. We would give up the pump before we gave up the Dexcom. Right. Well, you're going to be. And we love the pump. pump. I mean, the pump is the pump is a really great tool. Yes. Uh, In tandem, they're amazing. If you if you had to choose, I'm sure um, this is a a fairly common sentiment that if you had to choose, just knowing which way your blood sugar is going, how fast it's going, is such an incredible uh, support system. To be perfectly honest, because then you can do something about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so you spent that, so I, cause I hear from people a lot who are like, Hey, my kid's little, um, I have injections. I want to, I'm listening to the podcast and I want to do what you're doing, but I don't know how to like, you know, we've tried a couple of times to have people on who talk about MDI and how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, I think what it all always came down to was if you're willing to test enough and, yeah. and live in the uncertainty, it's probably right. doable. But these couple of leaps to make with little kids, and the one, the one is, are they going to eat? Like, yeah. how do you pre-bolus a little kid and then have them look at their lunch and just go, huh, I'm not eating that? Yeah, exactly. I still ask Arden in, at lunchtime, when she, and she's going to text me in about 10 minutes. I still uh-huh. say, the, the thing I still say to her first is, uh, are you hungry? Yes. You know, because, I, I ask Charlie the same thing. Yeah. Because I need to know. Like, I mean, yeah. if you're if you're ravenous, then I'm going to bolus one way. If you're not, it's going to be another way. Right. You, you know, but I can't. I can't not pre-bolus because it leads yeah. to the the ruination of a day. Like just like you it talked does. about. Yeah, it just it one time eating food without putting the without balancing the timing of the insulin with the timing of the food, and you're just yeah. shot. It's over. Yeah. And so. And so you lived like that for seven months. When you got the Dexcom, what was the most impactful thing, like, first? Like, when you could see what was happening, what was the first thing you thought to change? When I think about Arden's insulin pump, just now, I sit and I think, Omnipod, what would I say about it? First thing that pops to my mind is that it's easy. It's easy to change. It's easy to use. It's easy to hide. It's easy to swim with. It's easy to take a shower with. It's easy And that ends up being long-term in your life, maybe more important than anything else. Because at some point in your life with type 1 diabetes, your goal is to just not think about it. Yesterday, Arden needed a pod change. You know, it was time to change her pod right after school. And she had a friend over and they were doing homework. We were in the kitchen. She came around the other side of the island, filled the pod, pushed a button, stuck it on, pushed another button, went back and sat down with her friend. That was easy. Later, she needed insulin. She pushed another button. Easy. It's not attached to anything. You don't get caught on doorknobs. That's easy. 
Seems like a small thing right now, but when you're walking through the house with your tube pump and the tubing gets caught on a doorknob and rips your set out, you'll think, well, I wish that didn't happen, and you'll probably curse a little bit. But if you want your life to be easier with type 1 diabetes, I really think you should try the Omnipod insulin management system. You go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or click on the link in your show notes and Omnipod will be happy to send you out a free, no obligation demo pod so you can try it for yourself. Even that's easy. You just fill in the tiniest bit of information and it shows up at your house. Hey, you know what? I'm going to put a picture of Arden in that red dress on this episode's webpage back at juiceboxpodcast.com. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. So when you got that Dexcom and saw the data, what was the first thing you thought to change? Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was literally afraid to go to sleep. I still am sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that leads to a whole host of other things um, that, you know, I mean, with, with the anxiety. And I, I do want to kind of go back to that in just a little bit because I really don't think that's talked about enough with caregivers, uh, the, the anxiety and, the, and depression. Um, so... But when we first got the Dexcom, just that burden was released of not knowing. Okay. Because I would check his finger. We were going to be going out for a walk, for example. And I would check his finger before we were going going out for a walk. And five minutes into the walk, I would start thinking, what's it doing now? He's exercising. It doesn't take much for a little kid, Mm -hmm. you know, for his, it doesn't take much for anybody with type one for their blood sugar to go down quickly. But you know, I'm, I'm walking beside my son and his little legs are going three times as fast as, as mine are just to try to keep up with me. Right. And I don't know what his blood sugar is doing now. Is it steady? Is it going down? What? And just the not knowing was excruciating. Right. And getting the Dexcom, for me at least, it, was, you know, it is a fantastic tool for him <laughs> and it's a fantastic tool for our family. Um, because at least we have an idea of what's going on. So the first, so the first impact that made on you was just the knowing, and then you felt like maybe I could sleep a little bit because at that yeah. point, seven months in without sleeping, yeah. you get a little weird. And yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you start losing who you are. You, yes. you, you, you know, a lot. So last night's good. A good example for around here. I got, I, I get sick in an interesting way. I mm-hmm. don't feel well. Then I fall asleep, and when I wake up the next morning, I'm okay. And so huh. I really don't get sick very often. Um, right. And so last night, I'm trying to do some things around the house. I'm folding laundry. I'm making dinner. I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between the kitchen and upstairs. And finally, uh-huh. around 7 o'clock, I'm out in the kitchen. I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm going to eat now. And I just didn't feel well. And I, my right. legs hurt and my feet hurt. Everything was achy. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm getting sick. And mm-hmm. so I kept pushed on a little more. And then I said to Kelly, I'm like, listen, I, something's, I got to go to sleep, you, you know? Right. So, um, I just, I just, you know, Kelly took care of things and I just passed out. Um, yeah. and, but before I did that, I was still working on Arden's blood sugar a little bit and mm-hmm. I had, I had a site that I should have bailed on sooner. And it was mm-hmm. one of those sites where I couldn't tell if it was the pump or if it was her. Uh. And like, I stuck with it too long. Yes. So I'm there trying to figure out the food. I'm, I'm starting to not feel good. It's later at night. And somebody said something to me. And I really did. I snapped at people. 
Yes. And Kelly came out to the kitchen. She kind of joked with me, I think, to diffuse it a little bit. But I was like, Kelly, right. I'm trying. Like, like, I was like, I'm trying. You know, yeah. so all the things that I, I usually am so good at about, like, being real fluid about the blood sugar and the insulin, all that stuff that I'm good at. As soon as I didn't feel good and I was a little tired, I lost mm-hmm. my ability to do it like a person. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just one day. If you're living like that for seven months, for two years, yeah. you know, for 10 years, that's just, now you're just surviving. Now you're just... Now your days are just not dying. You're yeah, not, you're not exactly. thriving at this point, you know. Yeah. And so you were at that spot in just seven months. You were, you were pretty shot. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sorry because that sucks. It it really does. I did it for two. I want to say the first two years is how I felt. Oh gosh. Like the way you're the way you're talking, and then we got a pump, and yes. the pump made things the the Omnipod made things a lot easier. And yes. and I got her blood her A1C to move. That was the first time I got her A1C to move. Right. Um, because I was doing like eight and a half, nine A1Cs for the first two years. Is that where you were in those first seven months? Do you or do you mind saying? Oh gosh, I don't remember. Um, I think when he was diagnosed, it was it was really high. It was like twelve. Yeah. When we went back for the first time, um, I think it was in the nines. And that just sounds right, to be perfectly honest, because you're, right. you're you're giving insulin after food. I think nine's about the best you can hope for in that situation, to be perfectly yes. honest. Yeah. Yes. So, right. It, it, it really it wasn't until, I think it was a little after we got the pump and we kind of got our, our footing with all of that. Mm-hmm. I think we got the pump first and then maybe like a month later we got the, the Dexcom and then we started to try bolusing beforehand um, and just, you know, talking with him a lot more and just opening up all of that communication, mm-hmm. um, you know, that yes, you can have this, but I need to know that you're going to eat at least half. So I think that we probably started with, you know, bolusing for half beforehand and then waiting to see if he would finish it and then bolusing the other half afterwards. Um, but yes, the, the getting the pump made things a lot better also. So um, when he was, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that I, I found my nerve with the pre bolusing early on was something that I now consider to be the juice box theory, which was mm-hmm. if I can bolus for a juice box, then if, right. she, if she doesn't eat a quick juice box, will fix Yes. That. Yes, exactly. So, and so I always think that way, even when I'm working on high numbers still today, if I Mm -hmm. look, if I look at a number that's stuck at like 180, let's say it's just, I can't get it to move. And I think a unit is what she really needs to get this 180 down. There Mm -hmm. are times where I'll just bolus two units. And then, because if we go low, we can bail out with some fast acting sugar. But if I, if you kind of like, you know, nickel and dime the, the high blood sugar, it takes forever yeah, to come down, it does. you know? And so you have, and then what you realize after you do it a couple of times, wow, I thought I needed a unit. I really did. You, I did like need like 1.5 or 1.7. Yes. I never would have done that. This, that's how this blood sugar would have stayed at 180 all day. Yes. You, you know? So, and, and so it's funny, it's something I've said on the podcast a number of times, but until I saw it online someone mm-hmm. say oh i it's it's funny because i'm aware of myself being myself mm-hmm. but you don't realize it when you get outside out into the public like some people don't really know i'm scott or they're just like i listened to this podcast and this guy right. s- said this thing you know and uh-huh. i and I, I saw this woman say it all changed for me when i realized i could just over bolus for the 
for the amount of a juice box and then save it, if, save myself later if I needed to. Right. And I thought, wow, that's, I said that. <laughs> and, and this woman's talking like um, this was like the the culmination of like how how it all worked out for her, and, uh-huh. and I realized then I stopped and thought about it, and I thought wow that is really was such a big part of how I did it back then. Right. I just wasn't thinking about telling it to somebody else at the time when I was doing it, you right. know. But yeah, I always think that like just and so are you doing that more because you're okay? He's five now, and you've yeah. been through all this stuff. Is your A1Cs, are your blood sugars, do you ride the roller coaster the way you used to, or have you figured it out, no. or you're still... Um, I, I certainly wouldn't say that we figured it out. Um, we have gotten to a point where we, we're, we're able to not have as much of a roller coaster, um, and we're talking with him about what he eats, when he eats. You know, if his blood sugar is high, then we'll bolus and we'll wait a little bit longer for the pre-bolus right. and then maybe also suggest that he eat his proteins before he eats his carbs and vice versa. You know, if his blood sugar is low, then okay, we'll, I'll give maybe two gummies. Um, Annie's fruit snacks are his low treatment of choice. Mm-hmm. So just, maybe you throw a little bit of that on and then. Yes. Yeah, just, you know, have maybe two of those. We'll dose you for, for your meal. This is what we're having are you going to eat all of it? And that really has been, that communication has been really key for us. Um, you know, because in the middle of the meal, if he says, oh, you know, I really, I don't think I want all of this. Like, well, I, I asked you beforehand, you said that you would. So you got to eat it. Okay. Well, so do you, so when you get to that spot, like when he's like halfway through and he gets full, mm-hmm. and I, I, I mean, I think I've heard enough of what you said earlier. Like when you tell him he's got to keep eating, the, that breaks your heart, right? You know, you don't want to tell him that. You'd like to be able to tell him, like, well, hell, okay, stop eating if you're not hungry. Um, right. But so, do you ever consider just like shutting his basil off for an hour to try to catch it that way, like to trade the the bolus for basil, kind of an idea? Um, are you not to that point? Because that because that's what I would do if if Arden got right. halfway through, and I if I gave her eight units for something and she ate half of the food. And I might shut her basil off for an hour if she told me she wanted to stop eating and see what happens. Right. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, but that's yes. Some- no, we do. We do sometimes, but it's usually only when it seems like he's getting sick. Okay. Um, most of the time, he's he's okay eating whatever it is. Um, there there really hasn't haven't been that many times when he's said that, you know, halfway through a meal that I really don't want to finish it. And I'm not, I'm certainly not going to force feed him. No, no, no. no I, I just, <laughs> you know, yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I mean, we, we have done that on occasion. Because that really ends up being, first of all, I think that food ends up needing more insulin than you always think, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, because people are so stuck in, and, you know, I'll say it a million times. I don't count carbs. I have no, mm-hmm. I, I, I just look and I think this takes about this much and right. let's get, you know, get the insulin going ahead of the food, add the food. I heard somebody say online the other day, the food works so much faster than the insulin. I was like, that is such a simple and yet powerful statement. It does. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I have to do Arden's insulin right now. Hold on a second. She pre-launched. Sure, so go ahead. I'm going to say hello. So she was stuck. I put a new pump on at 930. She rose uh-huh. up to 170. We got it down. She's 129 diagonal down right now. Mm-hmm. I believe that if I did nothing right now, this 129 would continue on to at least 90 before it leveled mm-hmm. off. But I need to mm-hmm. pre-bolus. So 
I remember this morning putting a food in the bag and thinking this is like nine and a half units. So let's say okay. 9.50 extend. And then we're going to do, hmm, this is interesting, isn't it? Because I think the last bolus. <laughs> this is really interesting hearing somebody else do this. <laughs> I think the last bolus is acting as a pre-bolus for me right now. I think she's going to keep falling over the next 20 minutes. So oh. extend. Here we go. Zero percent now and the rest over half an hour. So by the time she sits down, mm -hmm. by the time she sits down, two-thirds of the insulin will be in. Mm -hmm. The very first bit will be active. And I think she should be around 80 when she starts eating. Cool. And you and I are still going to be on when that happens. So that'll be interesting. Okay. We, can, we can check me. Of yeah. course now, of course now she's not answering. So now I have to, <laughs> so now I have to go with the okay and the question mark. And then she's going to be like, I don't have to answer you every time I saw it. <laughs> Something like that will happen. It's all getting more interesting as she gets older, Aaron, by the way. Um, oh. Personalities coming out. I'm not ready for this. Mm, yeah. Well, you have a boy, so he might just be an idiot instead of a pain in the butt. <laughs> um, if, you're, if you're lucky. <laughs> because um, here we go. Oh, Charlie's she's, just uh, started trending up for some reason. Now, see, now what do you, that's, that's interesting. So he's at school. Mm -hmm. He's five. You can't text. Well, you could text with him, but he doesn't know that. I, I text all the... Oh, good grief. Okay, yeah. So what do you want to do here? So tell me what, what's happening. His blood sugar is what? You know, there's some things in life you just don't think can get better. Pizza. Ice cream, right? You just think of pizza and ice cream, you think pizza's perfect. Ice cream is fantastic. You know those days when there's no humidity and it's like in the 70s and you walk around, there's some nice sun, but it's not too strong and you think, why can't the weather be like this every day? It's perfect. You know what else used to be like that, I thought? Dexcom. I used to think this thing is fantastic. It couldn't get any better. It couldn't get any sweeter. It couldn't get any warmer. But then, it did. And the Dexcom G6, it arrived like a sunny day. It washed over me. Like that feeling you get when the salt of the pizza hits you. Oh, when the sweetness of the ice cream melts in your mouth. The XCOM G6 is new. It is way improved. And I didn't think that was possible, but it is. It is better than the last model. It is more accurate. It works right away on day one without any kind of like, oh, you know, sometimes people say with their G5, like, I don't really completely trust it on the first day. Boom right away. Auto insertion. It's painless auto insertion. I mean, legit painless auto insertion. And it takes two seconds. You just, it, I don't even know, you put the inserter thing on, you, you stick it to yourself, you push the button, it's over. And then magically the number pops up and that's your blood sugar. Somehow Dexcom made ice cream sweeter. They made a warm, beautiful day feel better. And now all you need to do to enjoy those things Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Um, so we have the Dexcom connected to my phone. I have a Pebble watch, uh, which I wish that they were going to still make those, but they don't. And my husband set up a Raspberry Pi display, <clears throat> excuse me, for our kitchen counter. Okay, cool. So I, while we've been talking, I've been glancing at the Raspberry Pi, and 
I should have been glancing at my texts from the school nurse. (laughs) (laughs) So she and I text all day long. His classroom is literally right across the hall from her office. Mm -hmm. And which I'm extremely grateful for that he doesn't have to wander all around the school. Uh, She goes into his classroom. They, the, the kindergarten class just eats there in the classroom and she'll go in Check his blood sugar, text me what his blood sugar was, and for snack and lunch and afternoon snack, uh, text me you know, how much she's giving. And if there are any if there's any sort of change that I suggest, then I'll send her, you know, that whatever change it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's sending she's been texting you. Come on, yes. girl. what are so you she doing? She said uh, 135 before snack, 18 carbs, 0.9 units. Milkshake is a hit. I sent the, what is it called? The Fairlife milkshake, the little little one in the, um, in the bottle. Okay. Snack complete. Four minute snack. I think that's a record. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> got it right in. <laughs> so he's trending up now. Um, we haven't had this milkshake in a while, mm-hmm. and I I honestly did not remember what it does, but I think it's uh, since he drank it pretty quickly it's gonna hit a little fast and and so so did she was it because you weren't responding to her texts or does she not pre-bolus him does she do it after he eats still no she she pre-boluses okay but there's not usually much of a pre-bolus um there's not a whole lot of time between the when she gives the insulin and when he starts eating the snack how positive are you of when that snack's gonna happen like, like when, because like 135 and mm-hmm. and a milkshake coming, right. I, I mean, you could have pre-bolused and he could have started drinking that milkshake when he was 90 and you would have been still really kind of golden, I think. Right. Yeah. But is it, does the, does it always happen at the same time, the snack? Around the same time. Uh, there, but there are usually, not usually, there, there are sometimes, you know, a program that happens at school that delays the snack. So is that something you're comfortable doing at home, but... You haven't. You can't translate to school just quite yet. Like the, at home, at home, at a one thirty-five at home, if he was going to have this, would have waited. You would have like got his butcher going, going the yeah. right down, and then you would have like introduced the milkshake at that point. Yes, I, we would have waited. Mm, I would say maybe ten minutes, or actually, it it winds up it winds up being a little bit longer because usually what we do is I give him the insulin. Uh, we I set a timer, and then I ask him to go go potty and wash his hands. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, he's kind of a slow poke. <laughs> I love him, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good though, uh, because it gives you time and he doesn't feel like he's being restricted at that moment. Exactly. Right, right. Yes. It, we, I just kind of build it in. Yeah. That's fun. That's really so, smart. I love the way you think about that because if you, if you give it a little consideration ahead of time, then yeah. it's not a situation where he's sitting there staring at this milkshake going, exactly. I, can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe I have to wait for my insulin to work because that sucks. Right. You, you know, yes. and, and that's where you cause conflicts with food too. Yes. And so if you can just give it that kind of consideration, I do try to do that as well. And I think that I do it more than I talk about probably. But, mm-hmm. you know, just the idea of getting things going in the right direction before, because you know, I don't know how, it's been a while since we talked about it on the podcast, but this whole thing at its very basic level is the balancing of, of the insulin and the carbs, right? Like, so I think of it as a tug of war between the carbs and the insulin. 
mm-hmm. you don't want either side to pull first because if you do, mm-hmm. then their momentum is going to win. You're never going to, you know, if you if you get into a tug of war match and you let the other side pull first, even for just a couple of seconds, they're going right. to yank you off center and you're going to spend the whole time fighting, hopefully to get back, but you're probably going to get pulled on your butt and lose, right? Yeah. And if you dump, if you have nine more people run behind you to start pulling, all you're going to do is yank them over and you're going to end up being 20 feet further than you wanted to be back again. And so, <laughs> and so you can't really, you just need to start equally. You need, yep. and, and the way that happens at the moment with the way insulin works is you have to get the insulin in and get it active yep. so that when the food starts working, that tug of war happens and both are pulling at the same time. And, yep. and it's, it's, I guess, easier said than done, maybe much more easy with a Dexcom, uh, a CGM being able to look at the, the data. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you would, I don't know how you no. would accomplish that. Honestly, no. it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it, but at the same time you could, because you're thinking about it in a five-year-old, right? Like in a person right. who, who might stop eating, who, but, but people who are a little older have a little more body size, right, you know, right. adults, when you stop, you'll see in a couple of years that you won't even care about the data that's on your Dexcom as much because you'll, you'll, you know how to expect what it's doing which is an right. interesting thing. Like you'll eventually just know what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. and so, because everything you heard me do with Arden's pre-bolus isn't based on anything mm-hmm. except, except my knowledge of this. Like, right. It's not like I used math or, or, you know, science or anything. I just looked and I said, okay, this is what's happening. I know mm-hmm. what I did. Here's what I expect to continue to happen. If I do this with the new bolus, I expect it to do that. And then I have to trust the timing. She's actually going to go sit down and eat. Maybe with a five-year-old, that would be scary. With a 13-year-old, it's not as scary. If it was right. an adult, it's not as scary. There's plenty of people out in the world who are doing things like this with, with pens and nothing else. Mm-hmm. But they're also comfortable in that, in that space. It's almost like I always tell people when you're negotiating for something mm-hmm. that you know, whoever after, after an ask is made, whoever speaks first loses. Right. right. <laughs> So if I say to you, I want to pay $1,000 less for this car, and you're the salesperson, if you speak first, you're going to say, okay. Mm-hmm. If I speak first, I'm giving up. And, right. so, and so that's kind of a basic kind of concept of, of that. And I think the same thing sort of about all this. Like, you know, you have it, it, how do you not speak first in that situation? You have to be right. really comfortable in the, in the uncomfortable silence. Right. And so if you can be uncomfortable in the not knowing what your blood sugar is about to do, you mm-hmm. can still do these things. Right. Like if you tested at 135 and didn't have a CGM and you thought, I'm going to eat 10 minutes from now, I'm going to give myself my insulin now, nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, that's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the other side of it, which is you can't let the data you can't let your knowledge of what might happen once this month stop you from doing it the other 29 days. Mm-hmm. And I think that you and people who are, are, are newer to it can get stuck in that spot a little bit. Like I can see that. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Does, I don't know if that was a long way to say that, but, but I, I wonder if that makes sense. It's like sometimes, you know, I don't know if you, you know, I don't know what, there's a million different ways to say it. you walk out your back door a hundred times and you never trip. And the one time you trip, you now know you might trip on that step. It doesn't stop you from walking outside ever again. Right. But right. but sometimes you see one bad low and then everyone backs off. And I'm like, no, don't yeah. back off. Assume there might be one bad low every hundred days. Right. Just build build in your plan for that. Don't let that make you comfortable with higher blood sugars to begin with. Not that you're right. doing that right now, but it just it made me think of that. So, 
Um, and this podcast is nothing but a stream of consciousness. So <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You got to say things when they come up, but yeah, I think that there's, there's a million, there's, I listen, Dexcom is perfect for me. Uh, I think what I get out of it is amazing, but I do see where sometimes it scares people. And, and that's where you have to have the nerve to live in the silence a little bit. Like, because like, you think that it scares people because of how much data it is. Well, I'm sure that's that way for some people. I just mean like once you've seen a low happen in front of you on oh, the monitor, I see. then some people are just like, oh, okay, and I'm just going to, I'll err on the side of caution again. I gotcha. I'm saying once you've learned how to balance the insulin and, yes. you're, and you're bold about it, if you get one low, like treat the low, but, yes. don't, but don't let that change what you did because you had one low in hundreds if not thousands of diabetes decisions over the last month one time right. you got low right. like don't don't make your decisions off of that make your decisions off yeah. the other stuff I, I definitely agree that having the dexcom has made me able to be more bold about especially at night yeah. um about dosing insulin and, and to, to bring down an impending high or a high and you know trying to make the decision whether to bolus or set an increase um it, that definitely has helped and actually, right now, I'm texting his nurse to set an increase on his pump. For his temp, like a temp basal increase? Yes. For like a half hour, an hour? What will you do? Um, probably going to do half an hour. Um, Just because the milkshake got a little ahead of you now. Yes. Yeah, that's very good. That's excellent. Yeah, he said it straight up. See, now, I'll tell you, little kids obviously different, I mean, the way you think about it. The minute Arden, after food... If she's one thirty and heading up, mm-hmm. I bolus more. That's when I start. That's when I start thinking about stopping the arrow, because because it, you know, and 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 will that bite me in the butt sometimes? Every once in a while, I'll see like one arrow straight up, and I'm like, ah, more insulin. And then five minutes later, it levels off, and I go, ooh, oh. yeah. <laughs> oops. Well, no, no. I just then I'll just trade out the basil, like so. Nothing. I don't bolus enough that I can't get out of it. Do you know what I mean? So, like, say I put in another, I'm like, 135 straight up. What has happened? Another unit where most people are like, really? And I'm like, yes. And, yeah, I'm and not it, there yet. And then it goes to 138. It levels right off. And I'm like, ooh, I wonder if that would have just happened anyway without the bullets. It would have. But Arden's basal rate is 1.5 uh, or 1.15 for an hour. So, right now, I'm just going to shut it off for an hour. Do you have any idea how many, how often, 20 minutes later, I have to turn it back on again? Like, like it's, it's that yes. it, it happens more frequently than you think for the most part, people are using less insulin than they need to be. And so once you start using more, you'll be surprised how often nothing bad actually happens. Then you go, Oh gosh, this is the amount of insulin I supposed to be using. Right. I'm, I'm airing, airing, airing on the side of caution. I, I should be, this, I need this insulin here. But like right now. So she's. It's one. Let me, let me take a look here. So I told you I thought she was going to continue to drift down off of the bolus that I gave her an hour ago. That was at eleven twenty-three. It is thirteen minutes later. She's four minutes away from eating, and her blood sugar is now one eleven diagonal down. Mm. And so, thirteen minutes in is half. So nine and a half units. So basically, four and a quarter of the units are in her now, mm-hmm. and they're going to start activating soon. You know, they're going to start actually working soon, but I've got the bolus from, from getting the 160 or the 170 down to where it is. Now I've got these 15, you know, this half of this 4.2 is in, it's starting to work. 
in the next five or seven minutes, the rest of the, the other 4.2 is going to be in. She'll start eating. The first 4.2 is going to start working. She'll put in more food. The other 4.2 will start working. And by noon, she's going to be 85. And that's, nice. that's what, and I, and, and it's not magic, right? And I'm not a guru. It's just, it's just, it's just, you just have to pay attention to it. Like you have right. to look and see, I did this, this happened. If I would have done this, I bet that would have happened. And then just sort of go with that. It's just a very basic, it really is a basic um, formula. It's, it's if, if that, then this, if then, you know, and that's pretty much it. Like there's, there's not a lot to it. Um, if you can see it, obviously, and if you can trust a little bit and, and I think the, yes. the best advice, I, go ahead. I have been learning to trust the Dexcom more. Um, it's, it's taken me, it feels to me like forever to get here to, to be able to trust it. But you have to, I, I, I say to people all the time, you have to be able to believe that what you know is going to happen is going to happen. Right, and it's a it's a it's a BS kind of statement, but yeah. but it, but, it, but it's true. Like you know, I do this. I, she eats this. She goes up. The next time I do that, I can't go. Well, what if it doesn't happen this time? You can't right. do that. You have to say well, it's going to happen. And the one time it doesn't happen, you go, huh? That didn't happen. But and then that, fix it. But that's very infrequently. Yeah. You know, one you just have to to learn historically. Like I know this is going to happen, and then but then the next step, like you said, is trusting yourself. And, yes. and actually doing it then. Right. So, and you're getting to that spot. So, um, what, what do you consider like after he eats, what's a blood sugar that you're now like, Oh, I've really botched this because before you were at 400 going, you know, when he was first, you know, when he was first, mm -hmm. 20, what, what is that number for you now where you go, Oh, I wish this would have went better. Um, now it's a lot more about the direction and speed, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so, we have his Dexcom um, parameters, at least the, I, we've actually got it set a couple of different ways, like on my phone and the uh, Raspberry Pi are set at slightly different levels because when grandmothers come to watch him, we need for the low alert to be at 100. Sooner. So to give them a little bit more time to check just because they're not as familiar with everything. So, but on my phone, I've got things set. The low is 80, the high is 170. Um, and I'm, I'm constantly looking at it before then and just kind of judging, okay, you know, he's at 150. Is it, are we going up quickly or is it leveling out, whatever? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, from there trying to decide what to do next. Do you, um, could I at some point talk you into on the weekends changing the 170 to 130 or 140? Yeah, I think we could probably do that pretty soon. Because because here, here's the thing, and I know you're not doing this, but it, it, you give it, you're giving me the opportunity to say it out loud. Nothing makes me crazier than to see people say, "Oh, I have the the high level on my Dexcom set at 400," because I don't want that thing beeping all the time. Oh gosh, and, and I'm just like, well, wait, what? I, I, right. I, I, the other day I, I saw it and I found myself thinking, imagine if you had a, um, I don't know, a problem in your house with carbon monoxide and you had right. a carbon monoxide alarm that you could either have it go off when it, um, you know, now when you can do something about it or later when you're going to pass out and die in your house. And you think, right. well, I don't want to hear all that beeping. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, your problem is you have a carbon monoxide problem in your house. You need to, fi you need to fix, fix it. Like maybe your right. heater's dirty or whatever it ends up being. 
to say that you have an alarm that's meant to tell you something that you don't want to tell you something right that you then ignore is insane and so yeah. and so what people do is and they use well i i use my dexcom for lows and and i'm like yeah but you get the lows because of the highs so i heard somebody say it the other day yeah. it made so much sense highs cause lows because yeah. eventually you dump on this insane amount of insulin and you get low so never get high never have to use all that insulin right and and so when when your blood sugar is 120, 130, you go, ooh, let me just bump mm-hmm. a little bit here, and it comes right back again. But if mm-hmm. you wait until it's at, you know 250, you're already right. in the fight. And for you, yeah. I think 170 puts you into the fight too because of how little he is still, mm-hmm. right? And so if you, you know, not that you'd want to, and I think this, I think that when you react at a lower number, people might mm-hmm. think that that sounds like a lot of work. I think it's mm-hmm. less work. You know I agree, I mean? and I, yes, and I think it's it's taken us a while to sort of step down. I don't even know what the what the right phrase is for that, but um, to to realize that yeah, um, that we can go ahead and act a little more quickly at a at a lower number with less. Um, what do you? How do you balance though the exercise? Because he has you know recess. Um, some days he has PE, and then he'll have a second recess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's easier now that she's older, obviously. Um, but, and I've also put a lot of effort in the past into like going in in the summertime before the year and going, look, please don't give me gym right after, right before lunch, you, you know, like, like or something like that, which she had last year. We were pre bolsing while she was out. Uh, she had a recess before lunch last year. So we were pre bolsing while she was outside, um, which she doesn't have anymore. Um, it's funny. I'm going to say something completely that's going to sound ridiculous, but I don't really think about the exercise that much anymore. I just, I just continue to do what we're doing then. And so if you need less insulin or more carbs or whatever it is, we just keep going. I mean, it's recess at school. She's not climbing a mountain. You you, you know what I mean? Like she's outside running around throwing Frisbees at a target or something silly like that for gym class. But if you have a kid who just a little bit of exercise makes them come down Yes. Then you need to. I would set up a temp basal. You know, the forty uh, half hour hour, however your insulin works for you, prior prior to bring his basal down so that he doesn't have a ton of active basal while he's at, at gym or recess. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would try that first. Uh, there's been other things. You know, we we had the one year where, no matter what we did, it was just that time of day where she was going to be lower. And so she she would just get to gym and like pop a couple of fruit snacks and go to gym, right? You know, like I think you just have to look at the specific situation. I think there's a big there's a big feeling that there are st- static answers to the, any of these questions. Like I think within the the community, everybody's like, "Tell me what to do." And I think it stems from the, yes. the fifteen carbs, fifteen minutes rule. Yes, I was I was going to say the right. exact same thing, which is yes. is bull. It just, it, it just, it just, it makes people think that there's rules for things. So when you ask, so when you ask me, what would I do for this? What I would do for this is keep her blood sugar in range, but, but, and, but I would use the multitude of tools that I have to make that happen. Temp basil, right. uh, a little bit of carbs, um, you know, just like thinking ahead a little bit about it, you, you know, and, and these, uh, devices, the next upgrade you see to, like, I know about Omnipod, I know about Dexcom, and I don't know that we're allowed to speak specifically about everything, but right. there are going to be um, multiple basal rate days 
coming up for people. Like it's not just going to be like you're going to be able to have weekdays basal rates and weekday. You'll be able to have a Monday basal rate and a Tuesday basal rate. That's awesome. Right, right? You're going to be on Dexcom. You're going to be able to set. Um, I want to have alarms here on at this time of day. And here oh gosh, that that, like, that's what been one of the things. Yes, that, right. that we've been. We love the Dexcom. Absolutely, it needs to be um, a little more user definable, right? And yes, so, and so, I, I really believe that that is coming. And so, and once that comes, stuff like that gets easier because because then you get to say, you know, I know he has gym on Tuesdays at eleven. So on Tuesdays, starting at nine, I want to know when his blood sugar is this instead of this. Right. And then it gets to that, I'm going to cut his basil off for 50% for an hour or, right, right. or whatever. Or, you know, it, you know, I've had Arden show up at gym and her blood sugar is 80. And I, and I go, like, do, you, do you know what you're doing? And she's like, I don't know, we're playing, you know, this. And I'm like, okay, well, right. that sounds anaerobic. Shut your basil off for a half hour. Yes. You, you know, and just let's try to, let's try to get lucky here. Like, like right. I, I don't plan for disaster. I plan for success. Right. And, and so, um, I just think that that's a, in the end, it, once you've got the tools right, you know how to use them, you can't plan for something to go wrong. Like if you just stop and think about your whole life, all the decisions you've made, you wouldn't own a home, you wouldn't have a car, you wouldn't have, <laughs> if you plan for disaster, nothing, nothing good would ever happen. Yes. Yeah. You let the fear stop you. Yeah. You just always be curled up with your hands up thinking somebody's going to punch right. me in the head. I just want to cover my face. It, you, you need to want, you need to want to get hit. You, you know what I mean? Like you need to run into it, not, not, not shy away from it. So I think that my answer is, is I would just do what you've learned and make your good adjustments along the way. And you'll, and maybe it'll go wrong one day and then you'll, and then you'll say, Oh, I did this. I should have done that. And then you're back to that, that equation of, I did this, this happened next time I'll do this. And before you know it, those experiences pile up in a way that you just start making these adjustments like mindlessly almost. You don't even think about it anymore. You just, like I talked through Arden's bolus because you were with me and we're recording the podcast, but I never would have done that. Like I would have just, I would have just given her the bolus really quickly and told her to do this. That's interesting. Yeah. And right now she's 102 and and still on a diagonal downtrend. So she's actually a little higher than I thought right now. Um, but I can see the bend in the Dexcom line of starting to come around. Like it's going to yeah. level off in a second, but as soon as it tries to level off, the rest of the bolus is going to kick in. So my goal is I want her blood sugar to continue to go down over the next 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some people would hear, well, one Oh two, this is, this is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm saying no, because here's the thing you don't know. Let me get a drink. In Arden's bag today is a grab bag of Doritos, a full size, uh-huh. a full size banana, a half of a bagel, a giant bag of grapes, a carrot, and yodels. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> you don't eat that stuff and have diabetes unless you are unless you are being bold with insulin. <laughs> okay, right, so you right. need to you need to like you need to push to to make that happen. I, I broken hearted last night saw online woman's kids poor kids graphs all over the place um you know i don't know what to do i don't know what to do one person comes in and says just feed him low carbs and he'll be fine and i was like oh that wasn't what she was asking you, you I know, know like that i don't is, care that if is people... such a big big topic in our community and i don't care if people want to do low carb they absolutely can but i i agree but yes. don't but don't but don't let's, push it. Let's wait. Well, forget push it even. Like, let's wait till she understands what she's doing here. And once she understands it, if she wants to go low carb, that's fine. But you're basically telling her, 
this isn't doable with insulin, right. but, but it is. It's 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 simply do. I'm doing it right now in front of you, and so and so it's very doable. And if she if she learns the right steps, and it and it and she doesn't want to do it, then she sh- she should try low carb if she wants to try low carb or try anything else she wants to try. Does I completely it agree with right. with that statement? Yes, but let's um, first understand how this works. Exactly. I, we we are. I, I think that low carb has been uh, a good thing for a lot of people, um, but I really want to get to a point where if he wants to go out with his friends when he's 14 and they're going to go to a pizza place, then he knows how to handle it and can bolus appropriately. And if he later on decides that he wants to do low carb, are you there? Then cool. Oh, no. yeah, okay, yeah. good. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I just I saw that there was a little icon that was suddenly gone from my screen um, <laughs> that if he decides to go low carb later on and it's his choice, then that's fine, too. Right. But I always worry, like, what if you don't teach somebody how to use insulin and then and you're able you're controlling them because they're a kid. I mean, it's so easy to control a kid, right? Like you just give them the food. They don't have a job. And they don't have a car. They're pretty right. screwed about buying food on their own. So, you know, <laughs> so you, if you, if you, if you do it, then they'll do it. But what happens if they go to college and they're just like, I'm not doing this. And now they have no tools and no perspective and no historical data to help them make these decisions. I so, completely agree with that. Yeah. Yes. So if, yes. if once you understand it, that's fine. The problem isn't, that the problem is that nobody teaches you this stuff. Like, like no. you, know, you know, nobody tells you the insulin isn't like a light switch. They just give it to you, you, you know? Um, and, and once you understand how to use it, then it's a different situation. You might still struggle with it, or maybe you can't find the courage. Like we talked a lot about that today, like the courage to just sort of do it. Maybe you're, maybe you're the person who the anxiety ran you over or you got depressed and you can't dig your way out of it. Now, like I get all that. Maybe you need to do something drastic to level things out. I got to tell you, I have some speaking engagements coming up, Baron. I'm going to be uh-huh. eating low carb pretty soon uh, because <laughs> I need to get rid of a little bit of what I'm seeing here as a double chin. And so, uh, <laughs> but, 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 you know, but, but so everybody's different, but overall, when you're just talking about people who are just trying to figure it out, who aren't burdened by these other billion things that could come up with diabetes, Right. Um, let's let's try to help those people first. You know, and and we're way over an hour, but I want you to talk for a minute about you because you said you wanted to go back to it, and I never, I never did. Did you, did you find yourself depressed after his diagnosis? Yes, absolutely. Um, it really, honestly, I I didn't even know that I was depressed. Um, and I have to say that it wasn't even until this past May that I kind of came to terms with, you know, I was having panic attacks. Um, and I, I honestly didn't know what was going on. Um, and it was pressure that I put on myself mm-hmm. for, you know, trying to do all of this right and perfectly. And that's laughable because <laughs> it's not perfect. Right. It is, as you have illustrated, it is doable. And you can have excellent numbers and eat the things that you want to eat and do the activities that you want to do. Um, but it's not perfect. Right, right. And it's never going to be. Perfect. It's never going to be perfect, yes. No, absolutely. I, I, I don't think I said say this enough, so let me just be clear about this. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I had a bad 
site that I uh-huh. I bet on too long. And so right. for the last 24 hours, well, now it's been for the last, you know, like everything's been fine now in the last three hours. But the 24 right. hours prior to that, I didn't have Arden's blood sugar under 130 once. Yeah. And we were always stuck at 150 or 180 and we were bolusing like crazy and nothing was working. We so right. should have bailed on the pump sooner and then we didn't. Um, but, but you know, that was an entire day where it just didn't go well. Right. And I don't, I can't imagine if that happened and I didn't have the tools that I had and then mm-hmm. it happened again the next day, how quickly it would, I would think to myself, well, I guess this is what it is. Right. But then you're still stuck with that feeling of, I don't want this for my kid or myself. And then yeah. the anxiety starts to pile on because you don't know how to do it. And then you get depressed because it's not working. And it, and it is something like when you're thinking about this stuff, like let's not like lose sight of what you, what it is you're considering as, as, as a mother, you're, it's, you're, you're thinking about the short and long-term health of your child. Like yeah. it's, it's not just numbers, no. you know? So, um, panic, how did the panic attacks kind of, um, show themselves what, what would happen? Uh, it was really random. I was on the way to um, pick up my daughter from her school and driving in the car, and I drove past a sign that showed the date. Um, and I just, I started crying. And it was, it, the date has no relevance whatsoever. Um, it sounds really, really weird coming from my mouth right now. <laughs> But you were just like September thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, May May ninth. Um, I pulled up into the car line to pick up my daughter, and I couldn't stop crying. And I, you know, I'm realizing that you know, okay, this is this is not normal. And I was in the middle of texting my husband and going to say, you know, I think I need to go see a therapist. Right. And. It's just really weird, some of the the, thing, the thoughts that cross your, your mind, or my mind anyway, um, that, well, you know, I, I don't need to do that right now. I don't want to interrupt his day. He's going to worry. And, you know, I, I, I can hold off. I'll just talk to him tonight. And one of my friends uh, who was in the car, a couple of cars ahead of me, got out of her car and came over to me. And I rolled down my window and she just asked, are you okay? I had to say no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Bawling, I'm pretty sure I'm not. Yeah, bawling my eyes out over I don't even know what. May 9th, obviously. May 9th. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I you know just really thanked her for coming and, you know, to coming to see how I was doing and as soon as I rolled my window back up, I sent my husband the text. Um because I said, "Okay, well, <laughs> obviously, if people are getting out of their cars in Carline, to ask how I'm doing, I am not okay. Right. <laughs> I'm um, not holding this together nearly as yeah, much as I think I am. Right? And so no. what did was how much value did you find and did you did you go to therapy at some point then? I did, yes. Um I went to my primary care doctor um I think maybe just a couple of days after that and described to him, you know, what was going on. Um he went ahead and prescribed um Lexapro, which I'm not ashamed to admit. Sure. Um it's it, I've gotten back to feeling like me. Mm-hmm. And from there found a therapist. Um and that has really helped. And just I have to say that you you talked about reaching out and going through all of that, um, being diagnosed with depression and communicating with the diabetes online community 
has all been part and parcel for me. Knowing that I am not alone in this, which you had mentioned earlier too, it is so incredibly powerful. Um, Just knowing that there's somebody else out there who has dealt with this, is dealing with this, that you've done this for years now, and you are looking at her numbers and you are being able to more finely tune what you're doing and you're teaching her to do that. You're passing that on. Knowing that you've been there where I am is so, so powerful. And I want to, I mean, that's the reason I wanted to come on the the podcast in the first place is to just let your listeners know that they are not alone. There is always somebody out there who is willing to listen who has experienced very similar things um, and who can relate. And dealing with all of this is enough. You know, the, the constant highs and lows, the questioning, am I doing this right? Um, what do we need to do next? All of those, those decisions every single day, that's enough. No one should ever have to feel like they're alone in dealing with that on top of everything that they have to do. Yeah. I'm very glad you found other people because it is it is easily the most important step to the whole thing. Um, yeah. it, it just to see somebody doing it ahead of you gives you the feeling like it's doable. Yeah, you, you know. So instead of this massive, uncountable number of uncertainties ahead, it's Absolutely. okay. Here's a lot of stuff I have to overcome, but apparently it works. It happens for people. You, you know. So there's no reason to think it can't happen for me too. Yes, exactly. Instead of the opposite, which is I'm never going to overcome any of this. This is all going to end in a giant trash fire, and I'm going to kill, <laughs> and I'm going to kill, and I'm going to kill my kid. Right. And, right, so, it, which is really probably the pressure that you were feeling, y- yeah. y- you know. And it's it's it, you know it's overwhelming to think that you're just you're one voice, but that this happens to so many people. And it you know it, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that at one point I was overwhelmed as well. Um, you know, I, nobody told me I didn't get a diagnosis or anything like that, but I, I know for sure that I was crying in the shower a lot. So that that probably isn't okay. Um, and you know, and so I don't know, it's just, it's, it's really, I have to thank you so much for sharing that because it, it, I think it, the conversations like this are the ones that are the most valuable to people because, you know, not enough people are are open enough about something like this. So we really, well, and I, I really, I really feel like that a lot of the caregiver situation is often overlooked mm. um, because we're so focused on trying to care for our kids Yeah. that, um, you know, like they say in the, on the airlines, I mean, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. And it's really true yeah. because if, if I can't get my head together in order to be there for my son, to teach him, you know, what he needs to do and to help, you know, to, to manage his blood sugar day to day, then I'm not helping him. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's being so incredibly like focused today, but burning yourself out. Then what was the point of that? Like, what was, it's almost like the no carb, like not eating carbs thing. Like, okay, sure. Today it's okay. But what about tomorrow? Right. You know, and and you have to plan. This is a, this is a a long-term thing. You have to plan big. 
you, you know what I mean? You can't you can't just worry about today. You, it, it's it's got to be a, you know whatever the it's a it's a what is it? It's a it's not a sprint. You, you know it's what a, I mean? Yeah, yeah. that whole kind right. of it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Marathon, yeah, not a sprint. Right. So it, it's we that, have a, you know, we have a lot of things in the diabetic community, don't we? Please, <laughs> these sayings are all very uh, helpful. And at the same time, I don't know if you know saw, but um, well, let me say goodbye first. And I'll tell you one other thing then, because we've been going on so long, I have to actually okay. stop the recording. So I okay. Aaron, thank I, you I, so there's, much. There's for one me. more thing I do want to say do too. It, do it. Um, if if you don't mind me plugging, um, I started after this diagnosis depression. Um, I started up a blog um, called Sugar Rush Survivors with a friend of mine uh, who was diagnosed in her 30s, and we just really want to be able to provide um, kind of a counterpoint of an adult dealing with type 1 and parent of a child with type 1 um, and just the discussions that we've had together because we we came together we didn't know each other before uh, we kind of bonded over type 1 and we've both learned a lot from talking to each other uh, she didn't have um, a pod or a Dexcom before we started talking um, I've learned from her how a lot of things feel because you know my son wasn't able to to tell me all of that so we want to be able to bring that sort of reaching out you know that just that saying that you know that, that you're not alone and being a being someplace where people can go to read you know what our experiences have been um re- linking to resources like your podcast and just showing that there are other people out here dealing with this and thriving. Cool. That's excellent. Well, I'll put links in the show notes to it so people can find it. Maybe I can get you to uh, write a blog post uh, for, for my blog. That'll, I would love to. Uh, yes. We'll talk a little more about it. Well, thank you Aaron, very much for coming on. And I'm Thank you for having me. You know, please. My pleasure. I'm going to stop the recording and then I'm going to tell you one more thing. Sure. You can check out Erin's blog at sugarrushsurvivors.com. There is a link in the show notes, and she is going to write a guest piece for ardensday.com. Thank you so much to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the podcast. There are three very important things that bring you this podcast every week. Sponsorship that allows me the time to do it, and you guys sharing the show with other people so that it continues to grow. Hey guys, listen, so you understand that what you're listening to today was probably recorded five months ago. Right. At this point, the podcast has become so popular, I have a lot of episodes, what they call in the can. So I'm going to slow down on my recordings in the summer. Don't worry, the show will still happen every week, but I'm not going to record as many so I can make the time between when recordings happen and when they're aired less. But I'm going to pick right back up in the fall, September, October, and be recording in earnest. So if you're thinking about being on the podcast, now's a great time to reach out and get that ball rolling so we can get you scheduled. Thank you so much for listening, for sharing, for the great reviews on iTunes, and I'll be back next week with another show. You want to find out what next week is? Hold on. Hold on. Let me look. I think next week is going to be with Sam. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Sam. All right. That's it. I'm babbling. I do have a fantastic joke about a three-legged pig, but this thing's already an hour and 22 minutes long. It's going to have to wait for another day.